Welcome to the One Signal podcast, where we aim to educate ourselves on product, industry, and best practices as it relates to building, growing, and customer messaging practice. This is your host, Josh Wetzel. We've got a great guest today for you, Lena Mamouk, a digital media veteran, mobile product manager, working at one of the largest grocery conglomerates in the world. She's here to discuss how COVID-19 is impacting the grocery business, how she thinks about innovation in an established industry, what user engagement looks like, and general best practice to drive customer loyalty. Welcome, Lena. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. Well, it's exciting to have you on. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. So I'm excited to work with you, speak to you today. Would love to understand what your role encompasses. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I am the mobile product manager. Um, you know, for those of you who may be listening to this in a, in a couple of months when we're out of this, uh, we're in the heart of the uh, pandemic of COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. And you're in a really interesting place given that the world has shifted, right? We are now day in and day out celebrating our healthcare workers, our grocery workers, people stocking shelves, delivering food. It's an interesting time on many levels, but I think one of the, the fascinating things is that there's these sort of essential things that we need, healthcare being obviously one, but food being a clear clear up there as well. And people are putting a lot bigger emphasis on it. So I'm just curious, you know, first, how are you doing? How's the team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's been an enormous impact as it's been for everyone. We are on week week five of working from home. And I'll be honest, the first two weeks or so were very difficult, a very difficult adjustment. Because although we are a cross-locational team where we have folks around the United States who work with us, most of us were going into the office at least a few days a week and having to adjust to everything that everyone's adjusting to work from home was quite difficult. But, you know, we found our rhythm. We have a lot of midday dance parties with a Spotify playlist that we've put together to keep things a little more lighthearted. And it's also very inspiring to hear stories, especially from our associates who work directly within the stores in terms of the impact that they're having on our customers. I've had folks on the line to me, even on completely separate calls saying, you know, thank you for everything that you're doing in the grocery world. And I'm like, you know what? I don't feel like I should be thinking right now. I think our in-store associates who are really putting themselves on the front lines of this are the ones that deserve so much applause and louding. And I'm glad that a lot of folks are starting to recognize that and are celebrating our grocery workers as well as our healthcare workers. There's been initiatives such as uh, most recently in Massachusetts, there's been designated drive-through COVID-19 testing locations specifically for grocery workers. So I'm really glad that our society is kind of catching up and recognizing these essential services that these folks are providing. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's amazing. We could spend hours talking about this. How has it impacted kind of workflows? Like, how is the team holding up? I'm assuming they're working under tremendous stress, particularly the frontline essential workers. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that with any successful product team, you need to have room to pivot, and you need to have room. Uh, for new circumstances to come around. I don't think anyone could have predicted six months ago that we'd be in the position that we're in right now. Certainly, a lot of folks did not plan for this position. I think that the position we're in right now is akin to one of the world wars, perhaps, maybe the Great Depression. But there's really, I don't think, ever been an international event that affects everyone. doesn't matter of your socioeconomic status, of uh, your demographics, of where you're located even. Everyone is in the same position right now. And that's really a remarkable time to be in. And of course, being privileged enough to be working for a grocery company right now, I feel like we're able to have a huge impact as long as we're following those tenants that really drive successful product departments in terms of, yes, we may have had a roadmap 
that uh, we had been thinking through for many years now, and we're executing on based on longer term strategy goals. But we needed to pivot very quickly. And that's something that I'm really proud of my team for doing, for having that mental capacity that during this time, not just the stress of working in the field, but also in the stress of working from home and changing your work habits, but also being flexible enough in their own minds of saying, we thought we were going to be working on this, but we're actually shifted focus because we really realized that right now we can have a much bigger impact for way more folks as a result of COVID-19. Yeah, that's great. I love hearing that. Okay, let's go to the journey, uh, customer journey stuff. Talk about how you think about engagement, both engaging existing and re-engaging users. What are the trends you're seeing across the landscape that are you know, having an impact around engagement? Yeah, I think that um, a lot of folks have, and I'm happy to see this, have been putting more and more an emphasis on specifically mobile recently. I think that the best way that I explain it to my teams is no one's going to be bringing their desktop computer or their laptop or even their iPad into the store with them to shop. And we've really found that omni-channel is really the path forward where folks like to shop in a lot of different ways. I believe the statistic is that only 4% of Americans only shop on delivery right now. And most folks instead do a little bit of shopping with the delivery. Sometimes they do pick up at the store. Sometimes they actually want to go into the store. And we really want to be able to provide that kind of flexibility for customers too. And really the only technology platform that can bridge all of those different kind of shopping habits and different ways of shopping is mobile. Mobile, I think, is in this unique situation where you know everyone's carrying around their mobile devices. So if you are able to provide truly valuable and truly joyful experiences to your users, particularly through the notifications you're sending them, either push or SMS or other ways to really like grab their attention. Those are the things that they're seeing right off the bat. And it's fascinating to us to think through, okay, everyone is seeing this notification, but are they doing what we're hoping that they're going to do based on it? And that involves a lot of experimentation and testing your own assumptions and really getting at to the why are you sending this specific communication? And I think if the why ends up being solely driven by business goals rather than by the customer experience and trying to really create this joyful value proposition to the customer, you'll end up not doing well with <laughs> any of those notification strategies. Yeah. And how do you think about a mis- you know, cross-channel? If you think about there's various messaging you can deploy, right? Email, you have physical address, which is you know unique for... Not unique, but unique relative if you're a digital-only business. So you have physical address where you're actually interacting sometimes with consumers in that, in that fashion. You've got email, you've got push. Do you guys use SMS as well? We do. Yeah, so you have SMS. What about in-app? Like, think about all those channels. How do you kind of coordinate across them? And, and what do you see? Are there specific channels that work better for specific activities? Yeah, I think that it ends up going back to like the why you're sending a specific message. And then there's obviously optimal channels to be sending that message. Uh, We have a lot of folks, as I'm sure everyone's grown up with getting either big white books or like coupons in the mail and things like that. And we have users that love that. They love the physical experience of literally cutting out and clipping those coupons. And then we have folks that, you know, actually like getting the coupons and they actually scan them onto their mobile phone and then see them on the mobile device instead and it easily loads to their loyalty card. So I think uh, going at the intent of your communications, again, is like the most important thing. Like you mentioned, we have many, many different communication channels and we have many, many different folks who are communicating with our users as well. 
We have transactional notifications that are getting sent out, marketing notifications that are getting sent out, savings notifications that are getting sent out, and being in the role of a product manager and needing to make sure that we are delivering value with all of those notifications and our stakeholders are able to also use those channels for their end business goals or their specific business goals within the larger business, but also making sure we're not crossing channels. Because if I'm a user and I get an SMS and then a push message, you know, one minute later, and then also, I don't know, maybe I'm in the store and I get a mail, like a, some, a physical flyer handed out to me, that's going to be an overload and I'm not going to appreciate that. So I think there's a few things that go into it. One is really understanding what your customer segments are and what kind of communication strategies are essential to which customer segments. Again, we know that there's certain folks who like to get the mailers. There's certain folks like myself, I find mailers a nuisance because I'm just going to recycle it. And I feel like it's a a waste, honestly. So I think that what our general strategy is, is to examine it first in the context of the customer segments, what is the value that you're delivering to them? What do they want to get out of this? And how can we help them achieve their goals faster by notifying them of uh, certain key moments in the experience? Yeah. Actually, I brought up a, another question I have, which kind of relates to the thing we're going through right now, which is, do you guys think about, or is there much planning done on how this experience that we're going through globally, obviously uh, heavily here in, in the United States right now, will change those behaviors or accelerate the change that we're already seeing, but in a, in a faster pattern. So instead of a seven, 10 year cycle where people get more and more comfortable with grocery delivery, we're now being forced to kind of do it to a certain extent in the next three, four months or the, you know, it'll be three-ish months. Now, how do you think about that? Like, do you see that? Are you planning for it? Or is it something like you expect it intuitively, but you don't know? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I think the best we can do is hypothesize and try to have certain data points, certain variables that we're measuring in the short term that might be indicators for the long term. It's funny because I have another talk that I often do that's called, you're a product manager, not a fortune teller. So as much as stakeholders stakeholders want you to say, I'm going to get this feature done exactly at this time. You know, you can do your best to anticipate that, project the velocity of your teams, understand, you know, what can get moved around, what are priorities. But in the end, uh, you're not a fortune teller. You don't have that crystal ball. As much as I think currently in our culture, folks are very, very interested in all those witchy things. But (laughs) Um, so really what I think we're thinking about right now is there's a few levels to it. One is you could just look at the global climate, look at countries like China and Italy that are kind of a few weeks ahead of us right now in the United States in terms of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and how they've been responding to it. And one thing we've seen with specifically grocers in China is that they have, yes, seen that like increase, sudden massive increase in delivery and e-commerce. And I think that China generally as a market is more adopting of e-commerce and of grocery delivery generally. Uh, than the U.S. market is because it's more urbanized, uh, a little more suburban. And so what they've saw is literally a doubling of growth. And they were expecting that doubling of growth to occur over the course of two years. Now, what's interesting is that it's kind of like a sine wave, but it's not going all the way back down. It's kind of leveling off now where the folks that want to be going back to the store are going back to the store. They haven't adopted grocery delivery as a long-term strategy. But what we're seeing is that, again, going back to the omni-channel approach, more folks are now ordering grocery in the long term over the course of a couple of months, maybe before they only had one grocery delivery or zero even. Now they're getting it two, three times, maybe every few months. 
So that's interesting. So I wouldn't say that necessarily folks are directly moving into a new channel, but it's becoming just statistically more prevalent. And I think the other interesting thing to think about is customer demographics and the reach of this. I think that in product, we have this term that's uh, basically who are your tech evangelists and who are your never-evers. You're going to have folks that are immediately drawn to the technology they produce. These are folks that bought the first iPhone the first time it came out 11 years ago. Uh, as someone who only purchased an iPhone in 2009, I'm more of the middle adopter. I wait until usually most folks have something and I can prove the value to myself rather than going after it originally. And then we have folks that you know are still using flip phones that they carry in a holster because you know that's what their lifestyle is. They don't want a smartphone. And we refer to those as never-evers. And we've also thought that there would be certain customer segments who'd be never-evers who now, because of this, have been literally forced to try grocery delivery because they may be homebound, immunocompromised, so on. And this is the best way that they can get those essential services to themselves. And now it's interesting because we almost have an impetus to prove to our customers of the value that we can provide and show that you know maybe those never-evers aren't going to be someone who gets grocery delivery every week but they may be getting it every few weeks, maybe for their large bulk goods, dry goods, things like that. So that's really interesting to think about. Yeah, it is. And it's one of the things I'm most excited to see kind of the data on in six, nine, 12 months to look back and say, what were these trends? Um, But it feels like you probably are at the forefront of one of them, which is the never evers. You're going to break some of those down because they'll get used to it because they're forced to, as you mentioned, so I think this can be fun to to see and and watch. It's just fascinating too, just to think about the behavioral changes that will come from this experience in general. So how do you think about innovation? Like how do you frame it? And specifically as you think about customer journey, like, you know, there's a lot of changes going on. You've got this long roadmap, but like, do you guys have frameworks you use? How do you think about it? Like, what's the DNA? It's kind of an open-ended question, but I'm just curious as it relates to innovation, like what does that mean to you and and the team? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think innovation at its core is the acceptance that we live in an ever-changing world and that you can't control that. There are things out of your control. And to me, that's just a basic tenet of any strong product department, again, is that innovation is not something that we practice. It's something that we live constantly because it's a response to that ever-changing circumstances. And I mean, right now is just the perfect example of it, that with these changing circumstances around COVID-19, with a lot of folks recognizing that you know, grocery, in addition to healthcare, in addition to even we're thinking about essential services. I think folks didn't really think about, oh, like the arts and like the different kinds of content creation. But now that we're all stuck at home, we're all watching a ton of Netflix and a ton of uh, different artistic content. And we're suddenly seeing, sure, I might not call it on the same level of an essential service as uh, healthcare, but it's up there. It's up there for the mental health. So I think that in terms of how we think about innovation, as a product team, is all about returning to ideation phases often and frequently and making sure to involve a lot of different kinds of stakeholders with that ideation. Because something that you may think is the changing of the circumstances may only be your own lived experience. Uh, Something that I really encourage a lot of product managers to do is when you say, well, that feature sounds fine, but I wouldn't use it. Try to extrapolate yourself from it. Instead of saying, I wouldn't use it, think about who do you represent demographically? Who are you as a person? Do that level of introspection for yourself. And then think almost statistically, what portion of the consumer market that you're targeting do you represent 
again, recognizing that everyone's an individual. Statistics break down on the individual level, but we still can use that kind of anecdotal information to inform more of the qualitative gut feeling sort of approaches. And it's also a great way then to communicate what you believe those like innovative factors are going to be to your larger executive stakeholders who may still be honestly stuck in that kind of way of thinking. If I don't use it, that means no one's going to use it. And instead, try to break them out of that cycle and say, you know, circumstances changes all the time. Maybe the way that you're living your life isn't changing, but the way that, you know, XYZ is living their life is changing a lot. And here are the ways that we can better provide for them, especially being in groceries, better provide that essential service for them. Yeah, that's great. So I like the way of thinking about that. How is, uh, you know, if we get back into the innovation as it relates to the engage the customer journey, like what are the trends there? I mean, you've been using notifications for presumably for longer than a year, right? Were you using them before OneSignal? Yeah, we've been using them for at least five years, if not longer. Okay, so you have good history with it. So what are the things that work from that channel or in-app kind of to drive? Like what are the things you do there versus you use sort of say maybe email for and why? Yeah, and I think this fits into a larger goal of ours that, and I'm sure this is a goal for any mobile product manager, which is we want to increase the amount of users on our mobile apps. We want to deliver that value and show them that, you know, again, you're taking your phone with you to the grocery store. Why not store everything in one place? But we also recognize that that kind of penetration won't be possible. And right now, it's not at a level that we wanted to. There's always room for growth there. So I think it's recognizing who has access to which specific channels of notification And then really taking a deep dive and then doing customer segmentation on who is actually opening it and then who is actually following through on what your perceived value, your CTA to them is. is. And having those really clearly outlined at the beginning of any project. I'm a very, very big proponent of experimentation generally as a strategy for product managers. I personally come from a neuroscience background where I did a lot of data analysis And one of the things that you learn very early on in a science education is the scientific method. How do you outline like a really clear hypothesis? What are going to be your variables? And also recognizing that uh, then your hypothesis and then your findings from it, your conclusions, a hypothesis is not necessarily a uh, end-all solution. Everyone recognizes that like literally a hypothesis is defined as what happens in the majority of cases with this. I believe that One of the most famous examples is that Einstein said, you know, it's the theory of gravity and it's not the fact of gravity for a reason. It's because you can come up with a theory based on your hypothesis and your findings and so on. But there may be some weird place in our universe that suddenly the laws of gravity don't apply. And that's why it's a theory, because we can't prove every case. And I think it's very important for product managers to take that kind of framework, say, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to, for example... Make sure that my users are getting access to all the right coupons and saving as much money as they can on their orders. And how can I best push them to that experience? And we could say, okay, maybe we do a push campaign targeted at XYZ points. And I know that uh, something I appreciate about OneSignal is kind of the easy ability to do things like that, easy ability to set up A-B testing and measure those metrics. Uh, Because in the end, your findings are only as good as your data and your data is only as good as... uh, understanding the variables that went into it and making sure that you're seeing a holistic vision rather than a um, kind of small vision because you didn't think about the big picture. Yeah, that's good. Well, Lena, I really appreciate your time, especially given everything going on. It's been awesome working with you. I know the team has really expressed appreciation for you and a whole team. So thank you very much and stay safe, stay well, 
and hopefully the weather will turn soon in Chicago and be a, a beautiful spring soon too. I have my fingers crossed for that, but thanks so much for having me, Josh. Nice. Thank you. Well, that was great to have Lean on. She's been an awesome champion for push notifications and a pleasure to work with. Well, if you enjoyed listening to what you heard or want to hear more of this, tune in regularly and please subscribe to the One Signal Podcast at your preferred podcast directory, Spotify, Apple, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, and many others. Or if you just want to take a jump in, you can try One Signal for free. So go to onesignal.com today, click sign up, go. It's an awesome product. Take care. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>